good morning, church. It's good to be here with you. I began thinking this week about how long it takes to do some stuff. I began thinking, like, how long could it possibly take to become an expert pianist? Right? Like, like how long would it really take to be, you know, like, selling out Carnegie Hall to, to be a concert pianist, like people would come to hear you play piano. So, so I, I thought I'd, I'd start this week, and this is, this is how far I got. Oh, I messed up already. <clears throat> Okay, that's how far I got. It actually went way better in practice last night. It takes a long time. You don't decide one morning to sit down at the piano and say, I'm going to become an expert. Actually, I did some research, and for those that are the experts in that particular field, uh, they say at the minimum three to five hours a day. Some say as many as 13 hours a day sitting down, playing music over and over again to be ready. How long does it take? I'm a soccer coach. I look at the, the girls that I, that I coach and we're working on things, practice after practice, hour after hour. They, they say that in order to become proficient at ball handling, at taking the ball and making it do what you want it to do, it's a million touches before you're 16 years old. A million. They say of the Olympic athlete, how long does it take? At the minimum, 10,000 hours. Well, you put in 10,000 hours. How long does it take? I, I was asking my bride, I said, uh, honey, I, I, need something, I need something that, uh, you know, I'm talking about this whole idea of how long does it take to do something. You know, you got to work real hard at it and, and uh, you know, it's... It, it, you got to be filled with diligence and consistency and vigilance. And, and, uh, and I said, I, I need something that maybe, you know, um, will connect with the, the women in the audience. Can you, can you give me something? She said, how about having a baby? I said, no, no, no. Something that you got to work really hard at and be vigilant. <laughs> she kind of like... I mean, but once you do have the child, I mean, how long does it take to produce a mature adult? Some of you still aren't there, by the way. <laughs> it got me thinking, how long does it take to make a great Christian? How long does it take to become mature in my faith? How long does it take for, for me to be able to go from zero to 100? 
in a given time frame, what, what's the given time frame from zero to 100 when I'm talking about my own spiritual development? How long is that? We're in this series, Good Sense. And we're looking throughout the book of Proverbs that, that really challenge all of us uh, to try and use our daily life as the testing ground for spiritual maturity. Where we get to come to every single day, we get to wake up, we get to enter into our workplace, we get to enter into our homes, we get to make decisions with our family, and those sorts of decisions begin to be the testing ground, the lab, if you will, for us to show that we're growing spiritually that we are being spiritually formed, uh, that we're becoming more like Jesus tomorrow than we were today. And we're looking this morning for Proverbs to help us answer the questions, how long, how long does it really take for us to become mature Christians? And this morning, the book of Proverbs is going to lead us to an answer about diligence and vigilance and consistency. It's going to give us some of the hindrances along the way, along a pathway uh, that we're walking. It's going to show us some of the hurdles and hang-ups uh, that we might run across. And it's going to challenge us to, to make different kinds of priorities. It's going to paint a picture uh, of the sorts of priorities, the betters that we might need to engage in if we are to become spiritually formed, if we're to become people who are, who are maturing in our faith. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs uh, chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Page 440 is where we're going to be today. Page 440. If you don't have a Bible, you can reach out and touch one. <laughs> I got to confess, this is just a side note, that when I say that every week, like reach out and grab the Bible, I think of that, um, that Neil Diamond song that we sing at the baseball game, you know, reaching out. Touching me, touching you. I just think, like, you know, reach out and touch the Bible, you know, like, sorry. Uh, that was kind of, I've, I've been much better um, over the years at controlling my ADD moments. That wasn't one of them. Uh, Thanks. Now, here's the trouble. Proverbs doesn't give us a quantifiable number on how long it takes. It doesn't tell us a number of days like, okay, you do this and you do that and, and you're all good and you're spiritually true, voila, halo around your head. 
Instead, it begins to tell us of a journey about diligence and consistency and vigilance. About heading in the same direction, the right direction, God's direction, every day. About being consistent, about getting up and heading in the same direction, the long road of obedience, someone once said. So look at verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Guard. It's constant. It has to constantly be there. It's a picture of a guard that's standing there um, guarding a great treasure. And you have to constantly be vigilant day after day, uh, diligently waiting for whatever comes next. At the very heart, at the core of this spiritual maturity, this thing that we've been talking about and trying to become uh, better disciples of Jesus in order to constantly follow in the same direction, the right direction, uh, consistently. At the middle of that is this need for diligence. This desire that comes from within us to say, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to continue down the road. I'm not going to give up. There are several pictures that the rest of Proverbs does give us in regards to what diligence kind of looks like. It begins to talk about work in chapter 6. Verse 6, I love it, several times throughout the Proverbs, uh, God, uh, just knowing who we are and knowing that sometimes we need a little word picture, uh, gives us a word picture and he says, hey, look down. You see those little crawling ants along the ground? I want you to notice something. He says in verse 6 of chapter 6, go to the ants, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It's constant. It's working all the time. It's diligent to make sure that it's heading in the right direction. Let's say that you decide you're going to go to New York. You're going to fly to New York, but you're going to rent a car there, and you've decided that you want to cross the country in your vehicle. You're going to get up one morning in New York with a shiny, brand new rent-a-car. You're going to get inside, hopefully at a reasonable hour in the morning, and you're going to begin your trek. You're going to have looked at the map, you're hopefully going to a stop for lunch. Maybe you'll stop for a historical site and see something that you've never seen before along the way. Eventually, you'll stay over the night. Maybe you'll camp to save money. Maybe you'll stay at the Hilton. I don't know. You get to decide. Now, along the way, you're going to have a flat tire. Uh, you're going to have to get out all of your luggage that you've piled into the back of the vehicle uh, so that you can get at the tire in the trunk 
You're going to have to put one of those little donuts on and limp your way to the next stop so that you can hopefully repair things and continue on. You might, you might even stay with some friends that you haven't seen in a long time. If you're going on that long of a trip, you're probably going to have to go through some construction, uh, probably a detour or two. But you're hopefully always heading toward your goal. You want to go from New York to L.A. And so no matter what happens along the route, you're saying, I'm going to L.A. You have a, a bumper sticker even that you put on the back of your car, heading to L.A., L.A. or bust. Now, some of you have been a Christian a long time. Some of you haven't been a Christian all that long at all. And we probably have very similar feelings about the journey that we're on. Some of you who have been Christians a short time, uh, you probably look in the mirror every now and again and think, ah, I'm just not making the kind of progress that I really think I'd like to make. Uh, you're thinking, I still have some unwholesome thoughts. I still have some urges that, that aren't exactly the, the kind of thing that I would hope I would be at right now. I'd like to be at a different place than I am right now, but I, I still have some people uh, that I don't like very much, and I'm not very kind to them. You think, uh, I, I have some people that I really, quite frankly, don't want to forgive because they're not worthy of my forgiveness. At least that's how you see it. And as you look at your Christian life, you think, oh man, I just got a flat tire. I haven't progressed near far enough yet. Now some of you, some of you have been Christians a long time. And quite frankly, you have those same thoughts, don't you? Oh, there's some things that went across my mind that I know that I shouldn't have been thinking about. I had this urge. I don't like those people very much. I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to be kind. And you look over the, the course of your own spiritual journey. Let's say it's from New York to L.A. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I should be a little farther down the road. And you recognize in yourself the times when there's detours and there's construction zones, that time when you got the flat tire when on the side of the road. Uh, the question uh, that Proverbs is begging you to answer is are you still heading in the right direction? Are you still heading toward L.A.? You see, you have an opportunity in your daily life as you evaluate your own spiritual journey to be diligent, to be steadfast sometimes, the Bible will say, to be vigilant and say, I'm going to stick with this no matter what. Because all of us in here, if we're honest with ourselves, have had, a, have had a flat tire spiritually. We've all had bumps in the road along the way. We've all had thoughts that we shouldn't have thought and urges that we shouldn't have had. We've all thought things about certain people that we, if we had the opportunity, would go back and change. So as you're on this journey towards spiritual maturity, as you're on this journey that, uh, that would take you uh, from where you are to where Christ would have you go, are you going to stop somewhere and say, well, I, I guess this is it? Are you going to dig through all the garbage in your trunk 
get out the tire and limp your way to the next stop so that you can repair things. You see, all of us have this opportunity. Uh, Let me be clear. The Lord does not want us to remain where we were. So the question we ask ourselves is, am I continuing in the right direction? Am I willing to get up again and again despite my detours and despite the bumps in the road to continue forward? This is the picture of diligence. Uh, This is the picture uh, of the ant who consistently goes again and again. Uh, This is the picture of the guard who, who is steadfast, always watching. Will you diligently continue and seek to obey? Now, on this journey, there are bumps and there are smooth roads. Sometimes everything will be going well. Sometimes things won't be going well at all. Uh, But I need to let you know that as you go from one end of the spectrum to the other, as you continue to try and be diligent and head toward God, as you begin to say, I'm going to head in the right direction consistently, uh, there's some hurdles, there's some hang-ups, there might be some hindrances along the way. One of the hindrances that I think comes into our world especially is this very prevalent idea that it has to be instant. Uh, That the journey that we're on, if it's not instant, if it doesn't happen right away, it must not be worth having. There is an old proverb, you've probably all heard of it, and it goes something like this. Rome wasn't built in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. And it's, a, it's just a, a simple old proverb that, 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 says, that says, hey, uh, there is this giant monstrosity of a thing. Uh, don't think for a moment uh, that the kind of quality, the kind of massive thing that we're after here happens quickly. I was at a conference this last week. It was a leadership conference, and and I just jotted down a note of one of the things that uh, one of the gentlemen speaking said. He says, I've never seen a big deal come together fast. And yet it seems to be that in our culture and sometimes in the church as we, as we try and be diligent with God that we have this kind of thinking uh, that suggests uh, that if I don't get it the first time that if I've failed, that if I'm uh, coming to the side of the road uh, more often than I really want to, if I'm hitting too many detours, if I have too many flat tires, that I probably should just give up because it's not worth it anymore. As if somehow God doesn't really want me to go forward anymore. What? How many of you got up and ran the moment you were a young child? Anybody? You see, we learn with our failures, don't we? I'm learning every moment so that when I fail, I know what not to do. You see, the the key in this whole Christian journey is that not that I don't get any flat tires. That would be great. It's not trying to say no flat tires. 
it's hopefully saying it's not the same flat tire. It's not the same failure. It's not the thing that I was struggling with last year or five years ago or ten years ago. And so I'm diligently working to find where God would have me. You see, one of the things that I think is, is working against this idea of diligence, this consistency, and this vigilance to guard our hearts is, is our instant culture. I mean, we have instant everything, don't we? I mean, we go to a restaurant. We expect prompt service, don't we? And we go to our computers. Come on now. We go to our computers. We sit in front of them. And if the internet speed is not like five or less seconds, I would say less, we're upset. Like we will leave the room like, ugh, the download speed. And then we lose our microphone. We are in an instant. We go to the cupboard and we get instant everything. It's all packaged up. It's nicely ready to go. We love instant. Uh, the problem is that our spiritual journey is anything but instant. It's not a simple recipe that we uh, throw together and add the ingredients and throw it in the oven uh, knowing that in uh, 20 minutes we're going to have a great product. It doesn't work that way. It's not as if we can come to our Christian life and say, well, um, I'm going to add a little going to church, a little Bible reading, uh, maybe some prayer in a small group. I'll put it in the oven and ding. Our spirituality doesn't work that way. And so we have to, we have to remain vigilant. Now, think about the guard that, uh, that is being envisioned in Proverbs chapter 4. I mean, it's easy, isn't it, uh, to remain vigilant and diligent in our, my spiritual walk with Christ when there's some sense of danger? Oh, I better watch out. Everything's going to happen. But as the years, as the days go along, it becomes a little easier as the guard, doesn't it? To begin to go. And so we have working against us this instantaneous culture and our need to be vigilant in spite of it. You're going to have to cross a hurdle. You're going to have to say, okay, this isn't going to be an instant kind of a thing. I know it's cliche, but it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you've got to take all the steps necessary. Now, that's not the only hindrance uh, along the journey. That's not the only thing that would uh, slow you down and take you off track. Uh, I think another thing that tends to, uh, to, to have us... Uh, Going on a detour or, or turning around altogether is just an attitude of it's good enough. That we begin to drown in an ocean of mediocrity. It's good enough. I began thinking this week about uh, the, the story in Genesis with Cain and Abel. You probably heard the old joke, you know, Cain disabled Abel. You'll get it later, it's okay. 
So Cain brings this offering, and Abel brings this offering before God. And, and we're not told exactly all of the details, but, but God accepts Abel's offering, but he doesn't for Cain. And we get this sense uh, that the reason God rejects Cain's offering is because he felt it was good enough, that he was good enough to stand before God. And then, when God rejects it, instead of looking back on himself and saying, you know, I probably need to adjust my character. I probably need to make my, a better decision. I probably need to evaluate my internal workings so that what I do matches the glory of God. That's kind of the character, maturity, building things. Like, when I fail, am I looking at myself or am I just angry at God? And Cain gets super angry with God. He begins to, to, to get angry with God, and of course that manifests itself in his anger toward his brother. He ends up killing his brother. Because he felt like he was good enough. Like everything was good, like everything was okay. And so my question to you, as you... Seek to be diligent. If something's not right in your life, are you angry at God for it? If you find that your kids aren't where you thought they should be, are you angry at God? If you find that your finances aren't where you want your finances to be, are you just getting mad at God for it? If something happened to someone that you love, are you just angry at God? If you have prayed many prayers over many nights, and it doesn't seem like you're getting an answer, are you just waving your fist at heaven's gate? Perhaps those are moments where we look at ourselves and say, you know what, God, I'm not good enough. I am not good enough, but you are. And you sent the one who was good enough for me. Increase my faith. Help me to become less. Help you to become more so that I will trust in the one who is good enough. You see, we, we love to, to develop formulas around good enough. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these teachers of the law throughout the Gospels, they loved good enough. I mean, they were so good at being good enough. And it wasn't that all of the things in the external world were not exactly what they should be, but God's consistent critique of them was, your heart is far from me. You see, all the stuff that we do, Pray, read your Bible every day, go to church, go to a small group, serve. Those are all wonderful things, and they can be a, a huge part. They can, uh, they can be a, a huge catalyst, really, for us to mature spiritually. But they have to be connected. They have to be connected to the deepest part of us. Otherwise, what we're saying to God is, this is good enough, God. It's as if what you're saying to God is, no, God, I rented the car in New York. 
I mean, it looks really shiny. I even got in it. I turned the engine on. I revved it up. It sounds really good. I haven't put anything on the outside of the car. Um, There's no miles on it, God. It looks awesome. And yet God is saying, yeah, but you're not heading in any direction. You're not heading toward me. you got to get in the car. You have to have yourself attached to those external things that you're doing. Otherwise, what you're doing is just saying, God, isn't this good enough? There's going to be bumps. And we have to be willing to say, I'm not going to be mediocre. How many of you want to want to, to walk in and own the house that the contractor said, well, this is pretty good, good enough. How many of you want a good enough kind of mechanic? You take your car and it's going, gong, 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 and you take it in, and there's a little secret cam on the, camera on the dashboard, and all he says over and over, yeah, that's pretty good, good enough. How many of you want that? God's saying, no more good enough. Now, I can't spend all day on the hang-ups and the hindrances. Those are a couple of them. But I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about the kind of priorities that you have that make diligence easier. Uh, throughout Proverbs, uh, there's, a, uh, there's kind of a mantra that says, this is better. This is better Do this first. Uh, That's what a priority is. Uh, You say, uh, is it good, better, or best? Uh, We have all sorts of good things going on in our lives, but, but is this good, is this better, or is it best? Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 6. I lied. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 10. Uh, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. There's something that's better. Look over in chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 9 Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Something's better. What will be your better? In chapter 15, verse 17. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. You see, if we're going to be diligent and grow in our spiritual journey, we have to make really tough choices in regards to what's our priority. And I know all of us have so many things uh, dividing up our time that we really have to work hard at saying, this is good, but this is better, and this is best. How many of you struggle uh, with making priority when it comes to your spiritual life. 
If you were to take uh, this next week and you were to say, you know what, I'm going to divide up my time. I'm going to look hour by hour and I'm just going to say, I'm going to divide up my time so that I know the kinds of priorities that I'm making in my daily life. This, this day, uh, I'm, you know, I was sleeping from this time to this time. I was working from this time to this time. And then once you get past that, where's your time spent? What priorities would your calendar say that you have? If you don't want to do the calendar search, then this, this next week, uh, go ahead and look in your checkbook. Go to your bank statement. Begin to look at where you spend your money. And then say, is this an example of the sort of priorities that I have? Is this where I want my priorities? What is good? What is better? What is best? Folks, it's, it's a long journey. I know that, that you're going to have some flat tires along the way. But I promise you that if we're not diligent in making priorities... Everything else will become more important than your relationship with Jesus. Make the best priority. Make Him the best priority. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, okay, that all sounds really good, Mike, but uh, how do I know that when I'm on my journey that I'm actually making progress? Here's the answer that I think Proverbs points to. When the hard things become easier, you know you're making progress. When the hard things become easier, you know you're making progress. Maybe you've had a filthy mouth and the Lord's been just convicting you over and over and over again every time you let one fly. And, and one day you, you find that you're not saying those things. And the next day you... You're doing better at not saying those things and you're constantly trying to, to not say those things and you're attaching it directly to your relationship with Jesus. I, I want to have a clean mouth. And one day you say, you know, it's actually harder for me to cuss than it is for me not to cuss. And you're thinking, yes, I'm there. And maybe you know you have begun to make progress. Uh, maybe it's that you have uh, had a really hard time forgiving someone. Like, I could never forgive them. And maybe you're saying, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to stay on this journey. I'm going to try and make the right kind of priorities. And, and God begins to do something inside of you that begins to soften your heart to the person that right now you hate. And in a few days, in a few weeks, maybe years, you find that as you are on this journey, that the hard thing has become easy. And you've begun to say, of course I forgive you. Why would I not? When you begin to say, the once hard things are easier, you can look back and go, okay, I may have had some flat tires and detours, 
but I'm going in the right direction. Church, let's be diligent. Spiritual maturity demands it. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, I just pray that uh, you are a part of just moving and helping us to be diligent people. Uh, that we would seek to live wisely. That, uh, that we would work hard. Lord, we, we would love for you to just say it's a hundred days and then I'm off and on my way. But Lord, I pray that you would make us I pray that you would deepen us beyond that. And I pray that every day, in every moment, in the lab that you have given us, in the test facility of our life, that every day we're becoming a little more like you. Lord, help us not to give up when we hit the side of the road. And help us to look to each other for help. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.